Well, we're so thankful for everything the Lord has done for us, and given us a good week this week and good good meeting. And so thankful. I believe a lot of people have been helped and stirred up, and refreshed, and ministered to and helped. Uh, like Dave was saying, we're going to be going, uh, we'll be over in uh, Richmond, Virginia, middle part of this week, and toward the end of the week we'll be up in Moncton, Canada. And so uh, if you would pray for us, believe with us that people will come to the Lord, they'll come back to Him, they'll be healed, and the Word will come for the churches that's just what they need, and, and that I'll get a real charge. And just, uh, it's been kind of a full month. I'm, I'm having a lot of fun, though. And I sure am thankful for this fine machine, this airplane. It won't take us two days to get somewhere. That, you know, that, that traveling is, is one of the most wearing things that is involved. But uh, it, thank God for all these blessings. Uh, go to John, the 14th chapter. If you didn't bring a Bible with you, hold up your hand. The ushers have extra Bibles. Be glad to let you use one of ours. Going to John, chapter 14. We've been on this subject for some weeks we call uh, seeing Jesus, seeing Jesus. And our text is right here in John 14 and 21. Jesus said, He that has my commandments and keeps them, he it is that loves me, and he that loves me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him, and will manifest myself to him. Judas said, uh, not Iscariot, said, Lord, how is it that you'll manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered and said to him, If a man love me, he'll keep my words, and my Father will love him, we'll come to him and make our abode with him. He that loves me not keeps not my saying, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. So he said that if we love him, we will obey him. We will do what he tells us to do. And if we will do what he tells us to do, what did he say he would do? He would manifest himself to us. Does that stir you up at all? The Amplified... Uh, version of that verse, verse 21, said, uh, I will love him and will show, reveal, manifest myself to him. I will let myself be clearly seen by him and make myself real to him. What could be better? <laughs> what, what, what could be better than the Lord revealing himself to us, allowing us to clearly see him? Uh, to see him is to see life. To experience Him is to experience love and joy. I mean, the fruit of the Spirit describes Him. Uh, love and joy and peace. He's everything. Do you want to see Him more? Do you want to experience more of Him? You understand, uh, the Bible said that uh, heaven does not require a son. Is that right? No. Now, that's a whole different system, isn't it? And you know why it doesn't require a son? Because the Lamb is the light. <laughs> How will you see? You see by what the Lamb is radiating. That's what makes heaven heaven. That's the environment of heaven. And that's what we're talking about having a greater experience of is Him. Him. So we launched on this quest to search the Scriptures. And we're searching uh, the Gospel account of John, looking at what He said. Because we're convinced as surely as we do what He told us to do, He's going to do what He said. He's going to reveal Himself to us. So we've come through John 1, 2, 3, 4, all the way here to chapter 15. If you haven't been with us, we've covered a lot of ground already. You can go online and download it uh, in its entirety. You can go out to the Word Supply if you're in the building, pick up CDs or DVDs, get caught up with us. Uh, 
And we got down to the 15th chapter here last time in the book of John. Let's look again. He was talking about that he is the true vine and we are the branches and how that the branches are supposed to bear fruit. If you bear fruit, he works with us so that we can produce even more fruit. And it's not his will that we be dead and dried up and shriveled up, but that we be living and flourishing and thriving and the life of the vine flowing through us and fruit and fruit that remains being produced in abundance out of our life. Is that the life for you, the fruitful life? And he said, the works I do, you'll do also. Well, this is a big part of the fruit. The fruit, the the works that he did affected people. And the works should still be manifesting through us affecting people. Now skip down to the 16th chapter and notice this. Before I read this, let me, let me review just a little bit. You can see particularly in this 13th, 14th, 15th, 16th, 17th chapters, have you noticed how much red ink there is there? Huh? <laughs> I mean, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 is almost red, you know, just virtually all red. What does that mean? Jesus is talking the whole time. These are his words. And um, several things that you'll see that, that keep coming up, and you can tell it's strong on the master's heart concerning the, the 12 and concerning the rest of his disciples. And, of course, we're his disciples today, so it applies to us. It was obviously very important to him, he kept going over this again and again, that they believe that the Father had sent him. And that they believe that what he had said and what he had done was the Father. What the Father gave him to say and what the Father showed him to do. And it was the Father in him and through him doing the works. And, of course, if you believe that, then that means you believe in him. You believe in Jesus. How many believe in Jesus today? Is that important? That's paramount all the time. Also, it was obviously important to him. Uh, they, they were concerned when he said, I'm going away. They were upset. And it was important to him that they knew he was not going to leave them alone. Amen. He was not going to leave them orphans. He was not going to leave them comfort, comfortless. What did he say? He actually said, he said, it's better for you that I go away. Now, I know they had a tough time getting their head around that. But he said it is because the comforter is going to come. And he'll not just be with you. He'll be in you. We're living in that same day. Do we have the comforter with us today? See, just like Jesus was their comforter walking with them, he said, I'm going to send you another comforter, and he's not just going to be with you like I've been with you, but he's going to be in every one of you 24-7, and that's exactly how it is today. We should never look with longing back on the days that the disciples walked with Jesus and say, I wish I could do that. We have the Spirit of Jesus in us. Every one of us, 24-7, we, we got nothing to look back and long about. He also wanted them to know they would see him again. <laughs> How many believe we're going to see him again? Well, he's coming back. We're going to see him again. Now, another thing, and he, he wanted them to love each other. He kept going over that, didn't he? I mean, I'm, t- I'm talking about things that he said not once, not twice, three and four and five times. He kept going over it again and again. You love one another like I have loved you. Now, have we digressed or are we talking about our, our text? What's our job? Our job is to do what he told us to do, right? Keep his commandments. Well, th- these are all things that he kept telling them and kept emphasizing to them. So he said, love one another as I have loved you. And how many know that have found out and are finding out that's a full-time occupation? Now notice in this 16th chapter and the first verse. Everybody awake? 16.1. Jesus said, These things have I spoken to you that you should not be offended. That you should not be offended. This is also something that was strong on his heart. He's about to be gone, and he's cautioning them about what's coming down the road, what's going to happen. 
and he does not want them to be offended. Now, this is an area that the church is, in, in my small experience, is weak in understanding. Even in knowing what the, what the word here means, what Jesus was talking about, it's, it's an area of uh, ignorance. And it's, it's, that's not good because offense is one of the most dangerous things you can talk about. The word offense literally means that which causes to trip or stumble. And fall. That's literal. But if you if you look at how it's used, we're going to look at a number of places as time allows how it was used. It's that which causes you to feel displeasure, that which causes you to get angry and hurt, and that which causes you to disconnect. And, and the basic purpose of it from the enemy is to cause you to separate and lose faith. Did you hear those phrases? Separate and lose faith. Now, let's back up in the 15th chapter here because uh, half the chapter were, was building up to this statement right here. Look in chapter 15 and verse 17. Jesus said, These things I command you that you love one another. Now, I'm going to jump ahead of myself a little bit here, but if you just do that one thing, you would never get offended. (laughs) And if I would just do that one, if we would just do that one thing, we would never get offended. Never. I'm going to prove that to you before we're done from the Scripture. That's, that's one of the big reasons why the Lord kept saying it. He kept emphasizing it. Why? Because the devil is out to separate you from the Lord and from his things. And, and, and if you say, oh, you know, he could never separate me, there's no, no chance of that, then you're foolish. It's a real danger. And it's, it's around us all the time. And people are falling and failing all the time. Do you know that there's all kind of people ought to be in this church right here, right now, this morning? And in churches like this all over the country and all over the world, you know why they're not there? They got offended. They got their feelings hurt. They got upset. They got mad about something. And, now, and, and, and some of them showed out and acted like a heathen. Now they're embarrassed. Did you hear me? People have done things they shouldn't have done with them. They did things with them they shouldn't have done. Now they don't want them to see them. They don't want to be sit around them or or, or be in a week. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't say that. Uh, they they're hurt. They're upset. They're mad, and, and because of their pride and because of other stuff, they are out. And friend, here's the thing. They are not getting the supply of the Spirit that they so desperately need into their lives. Did you hear me? And they're getting weaker and weaker as the days and the weeks go by. And the weaker you are, the easier it is for you to fall, to be deceived, for you to fall in sin, for you to be consumed and destroyed. And that's the devil's whole deal. Separate, divide, and destroy. And the thing is, it is working all too well. In uh, the 17th chapter, he said, These things I command you that you walk in love. Verse 18, If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you're not of the world, but I've chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they'll also persecute you. The word persecute means basically to drive away. To drive away. Well, can you see persecution and offense are connected here, aren't they? What's the objective of the offense to separate you and and cause you to, to lose faith? Well, that's where the persecution is the tool that the enemy uses to accomplish that ends. And the persecution is pressure, harassment, 
pressure on your feelings, pressure concerning your temper, you're being hurt, you're tempted, you're pushed, you're harassed. What's all this trying to do? Drive you away. Drive you away. And with a lot of people, bless their hearts, it hardly takes anything to drive them away. Friend, you got to develop some thick skin. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You've got, you got to develop some substance to you that you're not going to let just anything and everything cause you to get upset and cause you to get hurt and cause you to run away and cry and never come back to church or never come back to whatever the Lord had hooked you up with or separate from your family, separate from your friends, separate from the work of God. If, you, if you're easily offended and easily hurt like that, you're going to miss the whole plan of God for your life. You're going to sit at home by yourself. You're going to run here and yonder, and you're going to be unfruitful. You're going to dry up because your, your connections have been severed and separated. Don't let it happen. Keep reading. He said, verse 21, All these things will they do to you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they had not had sin. But now they have no cloak, no cover for their sin. He that hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works which none other man did, they had not had sin. But now have they both seen and hated both me and my father. This comes to pass that the word might be fulfilled that's written in their law. They hated me without a cause. Now notice something here. They thought, the, the religious leaders, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, different individuals, they hated Jesus. And why did they hate him? Where did, where did this start? Do you remember? We've been studying this from chapter 1, haven't we? How many remember when uh, the man was healed at the pool of Bethesda? You remember that? Things really began to get out of hand about that point. They got so upset, didn't they? Over that deal because the man was healed on the Sabbath day. Now, that wasn't really it. That was just an excuse. If it hadn't have been that, it would have been something else. And see, the thing is, they think we got a problem with this carpenter's son turned preacher. He's off. He's leading the people astray. He's got this huge popular movement. And his crowds are bigger than ours. And... Uh, Huh? And all this stuff, and they thought we got a problem with him. But really, who did they have a problem with? God, the Father. Would they have admitted that? No. Oh, no, no. They represent God. <laughs> they are the chief priests. They are, right? They're the leaders of the synagogue. Oh, no, no. They love God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. But they're hearing him and they hate it. They're watching him work and they despise it. And they're not making the connection that this is God. See, the same thing happened with uh, Moses and Aaron, didn't it? God delivered uh, the first generation of Israelites out of Egyptian bondage and he used Moses and Aaron to do it. But as time went by, they increasingly, because they were rebelling against God, because they were not believing him, you know, they don't, people don't want to have a problem with God. They want to have a problem with you. <laughs> you know, because God, I mean, how are you going to have a problem with God? <clears throat> Doesn't work out so well for you, but, but, but you can, you know, if it's just me, well, yeah, let's, you know, I don't, I don't like him. I, I got a problem with him, but, and so they murmured against Moses and Aaron repeatedly. And the Lord spoke up one time. He said, I hear your murmurings, which you murmur against me. I'm sure they thought, huh? No, 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 no. We're talking about Moses, not you. He said, yeah, you're talking about me. Why? Because Moses was just saying what he told him to say. Oh, can you see this, friends? Oh, how we need to be on our watch. You get upset with somebody. You get hurt, you get mad, you get bent out of shape. Oh, stop, check up, wait. Is it even a possibility that they're saying something the Lord told them to say? Is it even a possibility they're doing something that the Lord directed them to do? Because if they are, 
You're despising God. You're offended at God. Oh, can you see this, friends? This is such serious business. And what is the offense designed to do? It's designed to separate you. Separate you from Him and cause you to lose your faith. One definition is that cause you to cease to trust those you should trust. To stop believing in those you should believe in. Go with me to Matthew if you would. Let's get some more understanding of this thing called offense. Matthew and the uh, 11th chapter. Is it important to the Lord that we not be offended? See, we're talking about keeping His words. This is one of His words to us. That we not be offended. So don't don't let this pass you by. Don't you know drift around and think well this doesn't apply to me. The more we get into this, you'll see how serious it is and what a big mistake it is to say, oh no, I'll never be offended. That's that's not a problem that I have. You're already half deceived. Hmm? You got to recognize this is a serious, serious enemy that every one of us face. And the enemy is so crafty and so deceptive. He's all, okay, we've already talked about it. We've got all kind of people offended. And they think, well, I just got a problem with Susie or, or, or sister so-and-so or brother so-and-so or preacher so-and-so. And they're not realizing they're offended at God. And now they're out of their church. They're out of their ministry. They're out of their relationships. And they've been doing like they've been doing this for months and years and their life is going by and soon they're going to slip out of their body and they're going to realize they, they wasted half of their life. This is sad stuff. This ought not be and it doesn't have to be. And no matter how offended and hurt and messed up people have been, can you repent? Can you get things right? Can you get restored? Can you get back on track? Can you get back in your place? Oh, friend, time is short. We don't have a day to waste, much less a year. Matthew 11, are you there? Matthew 11, John the Baptist, who introduced Jesus' ministry, who told his own disciples, that's him, that's him. <laughs> Behold the, the, the Christ, the Son of God. And uh, Matthew 11, after he'd been in jail for a while, though, he began to question it and wonder about it. And uh, in Matthew 11 and 3, verse 2 rather, when John had heard in prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said to him, Are you uh, he that should come, or do we look for another? See, he, now let's just stop right here. Is he questioning his faith? Yes. He is. Now, how did he get here? What, what causes you to lose faith? This offense. So we, we, without knowing the details, what's been going on with John in prison? Hmm? He, some way or another, he, he's been hurt. He's been upset, mad, right? Feels like he's been let down, right? Something, somebody, some, Someone, somebody didn't come through for him or, or whatever the case is. And as a result, what's he doing now? He's losing his faith. He's questioning. Oh, can you see this? I don't care who you are. How, how anointed you've been. How much good things you've experienced. This is a dangerous, insidious thing. And you and I need to be aware of it. And when we, uh, we smell any hint of it, I mean all of our defenses ought to go up. And we ought to go, no sir, no ma'am. I'm not letting this happen. I am not going to become offended. Nope. Get a hold of yourself. And he said, are you the one that should come or do we look for another? He's the one that stood and pointed and said, he's the one. <laughs> You know, I know people 
just hurts me when I think about it. Used to preach faith as strong as I do. Used to preach prosperity and healing strong stronger than I do. Now they preach against it. They preach against faith, the faith message. They preach against healing. That it's not for everybody. They, pre- they used to preach it just with all their heart. What happened to them? What, exactly. They got offended. Something didn't go the way they thought it should. And see, one of the biggest trials of your faith is when you don't understand. But friend, just because you don't understand doesn't mean you have to lose your faith. Do you? It's all the more, that's what faith is all about. You believe when you don't see. And you believe when you don't understand. And people get offended and hurt because other people let them down. Well, they wouldn't help me. They wouldn't support me. They wouldn't do this. They wouldn't do that. Our leaders failed. Well, I served them and worked under them and they were doing that the whole time or they did this and and, and how many cases have you heard where pastors fail or ministers fail and then people quit going to church? They just quit going to church. Well, they quit God because a man failed. But wasn't that the design of the enemy the whole time? That's why he works on leaders so much and why he tempts them so much. Because he's not just after them getting them to sin. That's not the whole thing. He wants people to lose their faith. Lose their faith. And say, so, oh, what's the use? I'm not going to church. What, what good is all that stuff? All that faith stuff, all that confessing stuff, all that giving, all that this, and become skeptical and bitter. Oh, that's just a way of them lying their pockets and oh, so no, all of them full of sin anyway. Oh, and, and so and what's that an excuse for? For you to stay home and do nothing. And it's what the enemy, the enemy's just has glee about what you're doing. So effective. Friend, leaders, people, brothers, sisters, pastors, ministers, their biggest problem is they're like you. (laughs) They're like you. They got flesh. They can yield to it if they will. They can fail. They can mess up. But friend, no matter what a man or woman does or doesn't do, do you understand God has never failed you and He never will fail you and the Word is still true and the Word is right. Faith is right. God is good. We are redeemed. A victorious life belongs to us. Don't ever let anything or anybody or any experience or any failure cause you to get offended and lose your faith. I've made up my mind. I'm going to believe in God. I'm going to believe in His Word. I'm going to believe these good things forever. No matter who does what or who doesn't do what, by the grace of God, I'm going to hold to Him. How about you? I'm going to hold to Him. There will be some things you don't understand. All the more reason. Get closer. Hold to Him. Preach it harder. Believe it stronger. (laughs) We ought to be just like a nail. I said just like a nail. You know what a nail's like? The harder it gets hit, the deeper it goes. (laughs) Somebody said, that's me, that's me. The harder I get hit, deeper I go. I'm talking about deeper you go in God, deeper you go in the Word, deeper you go in your faith. After a while, the devil will go, wait, wait, this ain't working. They're supposed to quit, and they've just got stronger. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, somebody's getting it. Jesus said, you go tell John. Tell him what you're hearing and what you're seeing. The blind are receiving their sight. The lame are walking. The lepers are being cleansed. The deaf are hearing. The dead are being raised. The poor are having the gospel preached to them. How many of it ought to be obvious? It ought to be obvious. This is God. This is, he is the one. This is it. And blessed is he whoever shall not be 
offended in me. Luke's account of this in the Amplified, just put it up on the screen for us, don't turn there. Luke 7, 23, Amplified, says, Blessed is he who takes no offense in me, who is not hurt or resentful or annoyed or repelled or made to stumble, whatever may occur. Today's uh, English version of that says it like this, How happy are those who have no doubts about me. <laughs> well, see, John the Baptist was having some doubts, wasn't he? He said, uh, and what, you think John was happy in prison? Second guessing and doubt? No, he said, you're not happy. You want to be happy? Quit having doubts. Get back to your faith. Grab a hold of God with both hands. Quit reasoning and wondering and quit being upset, quit being mad. The Living Bible says this on that same verse, Blessed is the one who does not lose his faith in me. Somebody say, that's me. That's me. And I'm blessed. Look at the 13th chapter. Matthew 13 is the story of the parable of the sower, we call it. And in Matthew 13... <clears throat> 13 and 20 says he that received the seed into stony places the same as he that hears the word and anon with joy receives it yet has he not rooted in himself but doers for a while for when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word by and by what happens now this paints a picture of so many folks they heard the word they saw the truth. They got excited. They knew it was right. They knew it was real. And so they launched out to do it. And then here came some pressure. Here came some challenges. Here came some things they didn't understand. Hmm? And they allowed that persecution, which is designed to drive you away. They allowed that to get in their mind and let themselves get mad, let themselves get upset, let themselves get hurt, and to quit. Quit believing. Well, I don't know what I was thinking. I don't know. All that faith stuff and all that sowing stuff and all that healing stuff, that's, I don't, it's, uh, that's not right. That's not real. That's not for everybody. I don't, you, you know where you're on your way to? You're on your way to, is there even a God? You keep going that way, that's where that leads to. If you follow this far enough, it's, is there even a God? Why believe? Why go to church? Why do anything? And if you don't believe and you don't love Him, you won't obey Him, it will be like He doesn't exist to you. But it won't be His fault, it'll be your fault. I'm going to be one of the ones, how about you, that love him every day and believe in him every day and that he manifests himself to, that he's real to, and he can be, instead of like he's getting less real to some people because they're getting offended and, and going away, uh, other people are going the other direction. They're going more into, more, he's getting more and more real. And I'm telling you, that's happening in this church. I mean, you can look back. You can look back from where, the, where we started, where the Lord's brought us from. Everything that has happened has been building, 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 building. And I can tell, I, I know the Lord wouldn't have me teaching on this unless this was applicable and appropriate. Things are happening. And they're about to happen more. And if you're not ready and you're not on, you, you, your, your heart's not set, you could become offended. Did you hear me? I'm talking about you here in this church, watching my internet. You could become offended if you think, well, there's no way. Somebody else said there's no way. Peter. You remember Peter? Jump over to the 26th chapter of Matthew. Matthew 26, thirty-one, 
Jesus said to them, All ye this night shall be offended because of me. For it's written, I'll smite the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. Is that still the devil's M.O.? Try to hurt the leaders. Try to destroy or defame or discredit the leaders. And what, what's he after? Not like we already talked about, not just them falling and failing. What's he, he's after the flock being offended and scattering and getting offended and quitting church and quitting God. And Jesus said, all of you are going to be offended. Every one of you. Because of me this night. You'll be upset. You'll be angry. You'll be hurt. You'll be mad. You'll be confused, whatever the case. And what's the point? That you separate from me and stop believing in me. And uh, look at the next verse, verse 32. But after I'm risen again, I'll go before you to Galilee. Next verse. Peter answered and said to him, Though all uh, men shall be offended because of you, yet will I never be offended. (laughs) What's he saying? No. I, I will stay with you forever. I mean, you put this together with the other passage. He said, I'll die with you. I will die with you tonight, Lord. I think he meant it. As far as he knew. But when the Lord warns you about something, it's foolish to argue with him. Isn't it? What did the Lord say? Keep, keep reading. Verse 34. Jesus said to him, Verily I say to you that this night before the cock crow, you shall deny me thrice. Next verse. Peter said to him, Though I should die with you, yet I will not deny you. It's not going to happen. No way. I've been in the ministry long enough now to see a few of these things. I've seen people say things like this to others, uh, and I've seen uh, people say things like this to me. Oh, God joined us. Oh, God hooked us. Oh, I'm with you for the duration. And it was that way for a year or two or even five or sometimes longer. But then something happened that somebody didn't understand, didn't know why. Couldn't figure it out. They couldn't get it sorted in their mind and let that hurt come in. Let that anger come in. Let that resentment come in. What's it designed to do? Anybody know? What's it designed to do? It's designed to sever you from what God connected you to, which is Him. To sever you and separate you and cause you to lose your faith. So Peter was saying, there's no, no way, no way. But he did, didn't he? What happened to him? You know, when it all started going down and, and, the, and the guards were there and they were taking Jesus, Peter whipped out his blade and he starts a slicing. Now, he's not a soldier. And I know that he probably knows that I could die doing this because I don't really know what I'm doing. But he cut off that guy's ear. You remember that? And he, I, I think he meant to see through what he had said. I will die with you. And, oh, oh, friends, are you, are you awake though? Are you listening? But when it didn't go the way he thought it would. I'm going to come over here and say this again. When it didn't go the way he had it in his mind that he thought it would go, that's when he began to do what Jesus had warned him he would do. Jesus told him after a bit, he said, no, put up your sword, put up your sword. And then he's thinking, huh? What? And he said, the cup that my father's given me, shall I not take it? Shall I not drink it? Even after he had said, I am he, and they all fell to the ground and they got back up, he let them take him. And Peter followed afar off. How many can see just in that phrase, he's confused? What's going on? No way this is going to happen. No way Jesus is going to die. But it just kept going more and more that way. And they they scourged him and they mocked him and they spit on him. And he's standing out there and this is going on. And they look at him and say, aren't you one of the ones? 
And he said, no, I don't know him. What is this? This denying him? Is his faith in him shaken? Yeah. Is he losing his faith in the master? Yeah. And just a few hours before, he's shouting, I'll die with you. I'll die with you. No way anything's going to separate me from you. Should this be a lesson to us? Should this be a warning to us? Jesus taught about this. He said, if, you, if your right hand offends you, cut it off. If your right foot, your eye, pull it out. What does that mean? I, he's not just talking about maiming yourself. Hopefully, you'd control it instead of lose it. But there is, a, there is a revelation here that even though something has become a part of you, something uh, that you, it takes radical action, you should be willing to take radical action and, and tremendous sacrifice to cut off anything that's causing you to be offended. Because life and death is in this. The plan of God is in this. Look in John, the sixth chapter, please. You see an example of this in John 6 in this service. One service can make all the difference. <laughs> One night. Can it? One night. Jesus had big crowds following him here in John 6. I mean, they were getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Amazing things were happening. People were being healed. Miracles were happening. Glorious things were going on. And I mean, you, you talk about it. Jesus was popular all over the place. And then he goes and preaches this message called, Drink My Blood. <laughs> Anybody remember now? I mean, we read it on this side of it knowing he's master, but you got to try to put yourself in the crowd not knowing this side of it. Most of them had no clue he was the Messiah, the Christ. They just saw him as a preacher, as a prophet, as a minister. And everything's great and wonderful until he preaches this. <laughs> right? And in John 6, he preached it. And uh, verse 60, many of his disciples, when they heard this, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can hear this? Who can accept this? And Jesus, when he knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said to them, what did he say? What did he say? Does this offend you? And what and if you see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? Jesus did not make great efforts to explain this message to them. And when he saw that masses of them are leaving... He did not run after them. He did not plead with them to stay. Oh, can you see this? Did they lose their faith in him? The question is, how much did they ever have? Oh, can you see this? Keep reading here and you'll see. Verse 64, Jesus said, There are some of you that believe not. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not and who should betray him. And he said, therefore, that's why I told you that no man can come to me except it were given to him of my father. And from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. I mean, they never came back to another service. A few? Huh? Many. Apparently, there are thousands of people that never put another offering into his ministry. They never, they never listened to him speak again. Now, that might be hard for us to imagine with Jesus, but it happened. This was not with Jesus. Yeah, with Jesus. They left. They stayed at the house. 
when he was preaching in town and preaching in their synagogue, they would not come hear him. And yet, prior to that, they'd been part of the crowd. They'd been part of the bunch. They'd been part of the disciples. Jesus looked at the twelve. This is how bad it was. He looked at the twelve. He said, are you leaving too? How much that? It must have been real bad. A lot of people must have left for him to look at them and say, are you going too? And what did Peter say? He said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we believe and are sure that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. That was one day Peter didn't, didn't bail and didn't fail. <laughs> right? <laughs> he did good that day. What, what do we see here? They never, all these people that left him never really believed in him. They were riding a bandwagon as long as it was convenient and it was the popular thing to do. But when something came up that they didn't understand and they couldn't figure out and, and it miffed them and bothered them and hurt them and disturbed them, they separated themselves. They became offended. The 12 really did believe in him. How do we know they really believed in him? They stayed. I said they stayed. You think they understood that drink my blood message any more than the other guys? No, they didn't. But they believed in him. Oh, come on, are y'all with me or not now? They believed in him. And even though they couldn't get their head around it and they couldn't understand what it could mean or why he was saying it, they believed he must have had a good reason for saying it. And eventually, somehow, they'll get it. If you believe in someone, you give them time. You keep coming. You stay hooked. You stay around. You stay involved even when you don't understand. Are y'all with me now? Jesus was warning his disciples. He was saying, don't be offended. He said, I'm telling you all these things right now. See, he's about to leave. He's about to be gone. He said, they're going to hate you. He said, there will be, come a time when people that will kill you and think they're doing God a favor. Well, Saul did that, didn't he? Saul of Tarsus, before, before he came, Paul, the apostle. And he said, but why am I telling you all this? So that when it happens, you remember that I told you. Yep. What's he telling them? Don't be offended. Don't lose your faith. Don't quit me. Stay with me. Oh, glory to God. Stay with me. I know some years ago I... Uh, I, we, Phyllis and I had the privilege of serving with Brother Kenneth Hagin and Miss Aretha for 20-some years. And what a great privilege it was. And uh, we had, I had uh, resigned from the school, and we were in our own ministry and doing some things. When the Lord told me, I didn't release you from helping Brother Hagin, and we had to find them. I thought just because I wasn't in the school anymore, uh, that like most people, uh, I wouldn't be as involved, but the Lord said, no, I didn't release you from helping him. So we had to go find them and ask them, can we still help you? And they were like, well, yeah, we guess so. And, and so we ta- tagged around, followed them, and, and then the, those, those last years were some of the best ones we ever had. But uh, I had been used to uh, ministering by myself, and, and some things had been going another direction. We were in a meeting with him, and he asked me to uh, uh, sing one night. And I got up and sang, and he was a real stickler for getting it right. I thank God for that. And he said, no, that's not it. Talking about after I sang the song. He said, no, that's not it. You got something else? <laughs> and uh, I thought for a minute. and course, I'm used to, for the some time now, I'm used to preaching. That's what I've been doing. And now I'm adjusting back to helping him. Y'all hear this or not? I said, well, I got, I've got a, an, an exhortation or kind of a teaching thing. He said, no, that's not it. <laughs> so I, I said, okay. So I, I, I sang another song. <laughs> 
And we got through. Now, this is the service. You understand this? And this place, this place was packed. There were people hanging out the windows. It was packed that night. And he said, no, nah, that's not it either. <laughs> he said, you got something else? And I said, well, this, this teaching thing is the only thing I know. He said, nah, <laughs> sing something else. <laughs> so I sang something else. And we got through. He said, no, nah, that's not it either. <laughs> this is the service. Can you imagine? Now, when I get through, of course, by now, while I'm singing, everybody's thinking, wonder if this is it. And it was pretty dead, so you could tell, nah, this probably, they probably knew before he said it. No, nah, that wasn't it. And it's easy enough to sit in the crowd and say, that ain't it. As opposed to finding it and doing it. <laughs> Whether it's preaching or singing or whatever it is. It's, it's like playing football from the sofa. <laughs> you can always tell them what they should have done. But uh, he said, he said, you got it? Don't you have something else? And I said, well, Dad, all, all I know is that teaching. He said, well, all right, give it. I should have known right then. So I got up and I tried to teach. Oh, man. Train wreck. It got drier and deader the further I went. Until finally just, you know, out of mercy, stopped the service. And it was it. The service was, I took it the wrong direction. And they closed. And we went home. I felt so bad. I mean, by the time I got back to the room, I'm weeping. I thought, how dumb can you be? He told you three times. That wasn't the way. I got in the tub <laughs> and run a bath and just sat there and cried. And tears fell in the water. Now let me just stop right here. The situation like this is oftentimes where people separate. Hmm? It's an opportunity to be offended, hurt, don't understand, confused, get angry, get upset. What, what is all of it designed to do? Help me out. To separate you and cause you to lose your faith. And one thing you must do if you're going to survive, you must humble yourself and you must be correctable and teachable. Did you hear me now? And Phyllis and I have gone far enough in the ministry now to see that this has happened to us numerous times through the years. And everybody I know that's ever made any progress or come to any uh, development in ministry have had to humble themselves and be corrected. I called Dad at his room. We called him Dad, Brother Hagen. I said, he answered the phone, yep. I said, Dad... I missed it. He said, yep, you did. <laughs> I said, I'm so sorry. I said, I, I just, I don't know. I, I wasn't seeing right. I wasn't thinking right. I don't know. I, forgive me. He said, he said, it's all right. And, and these words just burned through me. He said, just don't quit me. He said, don't leave me. I started crying again. I said, no, sir, I won't, I won't leave you. He said, it's fine. It'll be fine. He said, I've missed it too. He said, just don't quit me. That's what we're talking about all morning, isn't it? Just don't quit me. Don't leave me. Just because you don't understand, that doesn't mean it's time to leave. Just because you're upset about something, that doesn't mean it's time to quit. Just because you're mad about something, that doesn't mean it's time to unhook or it's time to separate. Tell me what it's time to do. It's 
time to humble, humble yourself. Be corrected. Be taught. Be instructed. It's time to get up and get back to the plate and swing again. Right? Swing again. Do it again. Do it again. Nobody ever made any progress without making some mistakes along the way. Nobody you know. But it's not the people that made mistakes that quit that, that caused them to fail. It's the people that got, you know, sometimes people think, well, I'm, I'm just so hurt. And they don't realize it's your pride. Why are you so hurt? Don't you know you're not the only one that's ever missed it? Why do you think your case is so special? You think other people that missed it didn't feel bad too? If they could get up and go on, why can't you get up and go on? If they could forget about it and put it behind them, why can't you do it? What makes you so different? What makes you so special? You're not. The problem is pride. P-R-I-D-E. Pride is the nature of the devil himself. And he knows it when he sees it. And that's what he's counting on to work the offense in us. Go to 1 Corinthians, please, 13th chapter. Let's look at a couple of things, a couple of verses in closing here. Can you take a little bit more? 1 Corinthians 13. I did stay with him. It got better. (laughs) And it got better and better. Hallelujah. I don't think we had another incident just like that one again. (laughs) Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I know there was one occasion where some other people had had kind of lost faith in me a little bit over some lies that had been told and things that wasn't right. And, uh, uh, you know, it can be uncomfortable. And uh, he, uh, in the middle of that, he had me stand up and call me up in a situation. And, and I could just feel some people looking at me and, them thinking, you know, why is he here? Why is he doing this or that? And he put his hand on me. He said, I have full confidence in this man. Oh, glory to God. You just don't know what that feels like in a situation like unless you've been there. And um, what if we'd have quit? What if we'd stopped? What if we'd said, well, I can't do that anymore I can't work with him, or I don't know this, or I don't. You understand what I'm saying? If somebody says that ain't so, sometimes all you have to say is one time. No, that's not it. For a lot of people, that's all it'd take. They'd cry, they'd run home, they'd talk about you all afternoon, and they wouldn't come back. Is that true? There's a whole lot of people. You just one of those phrases, and that's it. They'd never come back. It's sad. There are millions of people like that staying home. Somebody said something they didn't like. Somebody didn't let them do what they wanted to do. They got miffed. They got hurt. They got mad. They got upset. They didn't understand. I didn't understand why you did that. Well, you don't have to understand. You don't have to understand to believe. But I'm telling you, if you want to do the plan of God, you got to overcome stuff like that. You gotta make it through. How are you gonna make it through? Humble yourself. Hmm? Somebody says, boy, you blew it. What do you say? Sure did. <laughs> Man. That may be on the record for blowing it. I don't know. That's <laughs> But tell me what you're not gonna do. Help me out. What you what are you not gonna do? You're not gonna quit. I'm coming back for some more. <laughs> right? We're going to keep doing it till we get it right. I'm still breathing. God's still on the throne. Let's go again. <laughs> right? Line her up again. Set her up again. Here we go. <laughs> well, you blew it again. Sorry. I repent. <laughs> Can we do it again? <laughs> Y'all with me or not? You understand what we're talking about? <laughs> Uh, I wanted you to see two openings, actually. First John 2 and 1 Corinthians 13. 1 John 2, 1 Corinthians 13. I'm taking a couple of minutes extra, but I think it's okay. I won't make you come back tonight for an evening service. We'll just... 
we just won't have one, okay? <laughs> oh, that's right, we already do that. First John 2. First John 2 and 10. Says what? He that loves his brother abides in the light, and there's what? There is none occasion of stumbling in him. We, we saw this, we said this, that the Lord said, love each other like I have loved you. Would that keep you from stumbling? If you love your brother, you live, you stay in the light instead of the darkness, and there's none occasion of stumbling in you. In 1 Corinthians 13, 7, just put it up on the screen for us. 1 Corinthians 13, 7. It gives the characteristics of love. 1 Corinthians 13, 7. It says, Love bears all things. Love believes all things. Hopes all things. Endures all things. Believes all things. That doesn't mean we believe everything that you ever hear. It means you believe through all things. You never quit believing. The, the, the New Living Translation says, Love never gives up never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. If you don't quit loving, you don't quit believing. If you won't quit loving, faith works by love. If you keep on loving, you're going to keep on believing. If you keep on loving, you'll never lose your faith. God's Word translation of this same seventh verse says, Love never stops being patient. It never stops believing. It never stops hoping. It never gives up. Thank you, Lord. When are we going to quit believing in the Lord? When are we going to quit loving the Lord? Now, when are we going to quit loving each other? Quit believing in each other? We're not. No matter what happens. No matter what goes right or goes wrong or we understand or don't or if we get mad or happy or sad or glad or somewhere in between or don't know what we're feeling. What are we going to do? We're going to love God and believe in God. We're going to love each other and believe in each other. We're going to stay together. We're going to keep going. We're not going to quit. We're not going to let the devil's device work in our life and separate us and divide us and destroy us and cut us off from each other and from God. Look at Romans 8 in closing. Romans 8, 35. Put it up on the screen for us. You don't have to turn there. Romans 8, 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, somebody say, no. no. Our distress, no. no. Persecution, no. That's that harassment, that trying to drive you away. Famine, no. nakedness, no. peril, no. sword. No. Now what are you saying no to? None of these things can cause me to get offended and hurt and mad and quit and unhook and separate. Verse 36. As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Verse 37. Nay, in all these things, there's some things that will happen that you won't understand. But in all these things we're more than conquerors. Through him that loved us. Next verse. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come. Next verse. Nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature. Come on, show, show what? None of these things can do what? Separate. Can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Can you see these two things? Nothing, nobody, ever, never can cause God to quit loving you or quit believing in you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will never let you down. That side is covered. How about our side? How about our side? How many would say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reciprocate. I'm going to respond. Nothing is ever going to separate me from loving Him and believing in Him 
and loving those he told me to love and believing in those he told me to believe in. Nothing, nothing, nothing will separate me. Praise God. That means you won't be offended. The Bible said, great peace have they that love his law and nothing shall offend them. Stand up on your feet, say it out loud. Nothing will offend me. I refuse to allow it. Put up your hands, begin to praise God that the strength of God is in you. The love of God is in you. The power of God is in you. The faith of God is in you. And nothing, nothing, nothing can separate me. Oh, come on, praise Him some more, saints. Lift up your hands. Lift up your voices. Oh, we praise you. We praise you. We praise you. We praise you. Praise you, praise you, praise you, praise you, praise you, praise you, praise you. Thank you, 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 thank you. Oh, praise you.